Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a freelance illustrator, political cartoonist, satirist, and fine artist from Washington, D.C. It's Alexandra Bowman, everybody! Hello! Thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for, for, for being on, and I've been a fan of your art. You can see it. Aww. Some of you may know it from uh, Broadway Beat. You pop up there every now and again. <laughs> Um, definitely and, yeah it's so much fun to to see to see all we're going to talk about all your different interests i'm sure that blend <laughs> in such an interesting and fun way but thank you geez ostensibly <laughs> the first thing we're going to do is you're here to talk about the original evita concept album from Here's here's the thing, gang. Um, normally, I don't like to do the same show so close together. We did Adam Feldman was on back in August to talk about the Broadway version of Evita, and usually I like to give things space. However, when I asked Alex to be on the show, <laughs> she told me is it you were writing a you're writing a paper on this uh, this show i am writing hypothetically my georgetown english master's degree thesis <laughs> so that was too good to pass up i gotta say you know that's never happened and uh so i have to ask yeah how did evita come into your life yes so um believe it or not it all begins with the cats trailer <laughs> So. <laughs> oh, not where I thought we were going to start. Okay, great. Oh, it's a beautiful place to I'm start, here. isn't it? Oh, it's lovely. Um, but uh, I was uh, interning at the Library of Congress and bored uh, while working on something, and I needed something cool to watch and listen to. And uh, they let me work in the rotunda that day. And I was on Twitter uh, because I was allowed to be because I wasn't in the office. And uh, they, I saw that the Cats trailer was a thing. And so I was just curious at this uproar because <laughs> all these people are making saying such horrendously hilarious scandals things about this thing um so um and I, I saw the trailer and then I connected it to this copy of T.S. Eliot's uh, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats that he'd mm -hmm. given me a few years ago. And then I realized, holy cow, there's a musical about anthropomorphic British cats. <laughs> yes. Sure. And so I just it has become a little bit of an identity defining thing <laughs> for me. <laughs> and so uh, after listening to cats a zillion times and becoming, you know, the um, my social circle's ultimate authority on this thing that is just truly the the defining personality thing that makes me stick out at cocktail parties you know i realize i need to uh know something else about this um uh this particular composer and so i was just trying to find uh other angela weber musicals and uh, i was actually working for the lincoln project in 2020 um as their political cartoonist um, you might know them from how often they trend on Twitter for various reasons, <laughs> various being the operative word. 
Um, and so uh, they did an ad uh, making fun of Trump for after he recovered from COVID because uh, he, he recovered from COVID and it was pretty obvious that he was not fully recovered and was really trying to shoehorn his way back onto the scene. And he went out to the White House balcony and gave a stupid speech. <laughs> and so <laughs> the Lincoln Project did an ad called Covita in which they took Don't Cry For Me Argentina and changed the words up. And it was like, I'm not going to sing it. What were the lyrics? It was like, um, don't cry for me, White House staffers. The truth is I will infect you. <laughs> you know, so anyway, That was it. And so I just was very excited about my position with them because I was making political cartoons for an audience of like, I think, four million something. And so I was just listening to that ad on over and over again and then decided to listen to the Elaine Page version. And then I decided to listen to the other versions. And, you know, um, who doesn't love listening to a musical about a girl boss? How did this come into your writing, your thesis on this? Yeah, so I just started listening to it over and over and over again uh, around the beginning of this year, end of last year, beginning of this year. Um, I am... I, I have huge main character syndrome, me as a person. Mm, okay. <laughs> and so I just, you know, for all the wrong reasons, I connected with this character who... <laughs> so, all right. All right. I, I must hey. be honest. No, I was a Lincoln must. project. I got to be honest. I'm okay. dishonoring a Lincoln. Um, but, you know, um, uh, I deeply enjoyed the idea that this, it, I felt like it was, it, I have this evolving relationship with it because I know that this musical is saying that this fictionalized version of this character, who, by the way, it is a fictionalized version yes. because uh, it's basically two and a half hours of slander <laughs> of this political figure who we don't know right. the means by which a she lot, ascended yeah. the Argentine political. We don't know. Who no. knows? And the musical itself was based on this biography that someone who was being oppressed under her husband's regime after she died uh, well. <laughs> Uh, so right. um, uh, the musical is based on this one biography, which is like the worst way to go about doing anything. Well, now, <laughs> the that, worst way to go about researching anything. Is that the woman with the, the woman with the whip? Is that what? It's yes. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. So the musical argues that she slept away to the top. We don't actually know if that's the case. Like maybe she did. We don't know for sure. We don't know. Uh, but this uh, these other famous biographers of her suggest that's completely fabricated. So um, yeah. Yeah. I, I spent. <laughs> so I mean, this is a show I'm very very familiar with yes. um and so i spent today a, a good portion mm -hmm. of today doing research on the stuff that was the the basis for the the musical itself um mm -hmm. specifically the 1972 uh thames tv biography film queen of hearts which is like 50 minutes long it's on youtube it's right. great narrated by diana rigg you really you can't go wrong um right and but it really and and from what i understand of the, of tim rice's adaptation it was like he heard a bbc radio story about her which was based on this book women with a whip and then mm -hmm. the movie he was also a huge inspiration for him he watched it over and over and over again apparently but it is right. also strongly implies at least the beginning gels with the theory that she grabbed this guy ran from her small town to Buenos Aires and then dumped him and slept her way to the, to the, all the way to, yep. the, to the leadership. <laughs> and the, the, that we don't know if that's true either. We don't know if, you know, the right. uh, uh, tango singer, Augustine Magaldi was really involved at all. <laughs> Cause yeah, I think the story record person. said that he, 
he never was in Buenos Aires. So yeah, exactly. Right. It's all very, very, very <laughs> weird. The sort of and it really the 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 video, the funny thing about the video, the video spends a lot of time at the beginning being like, We don't know, but this is what we think happened. And it's like, well, hang right, on. Right, exactly. Like, hang on. Like, so, so here's the thing, really, is it's such an incredible story. Like it's mm-hmm. an incredible tale of yeah. hubris. And I've um I've done a lot of reading of uh, about this show too. And uh in Android Weber's memoirs, there's something fascinating that I'm shocked is there. Um, apparently Tim Rice refuses to acknowledge that uh, this was related to um, what was going on in the UK at the time, which was this mm. massive economic recession. He yeah. claims there was no connection between uh, kind of the British political field uh, uh, and, and fascist not fascist, uh, populist and fascist-esque um, rhetoric that politicians in the UK were using at the time, um, like anti-immigrant type of rhetoric, um, pro-poor people, pro-anti-establishment figures. Um, and so Tim Rice refuses to, or refused at least at the time of writing when that, which is just a couple of years ago, it was like 2017 or 2018. Mm-hmm. Um uh, to, to, Tim Rice refuses to acknowledge there's any connection to that, which is a little bit surprising. He also, interestingly, refuses to that, to acknowledge that it is in any way fabricated. He calls it apolitical. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Rice calls it apolitical, which is it's actually it's it's like he has to know that he's fa- totally pulling that out of nowhere because look at all the political rhetoric in it itself. It's not just about her as a character. Like it, there's all over the place. There is a- I don't know where he got that. I don't yeah. know where he, I don't know where he got he got the idea that it's not political. It's ridiculous. He must be a very smart, shrewd man, purposefully do. I refuse to acknowledge he just doesn't know. <laughs> so, he's like doesn't know what the word political means. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not. I mean, I I guess the best reading of that could be you could argue he's drawing the distinction that it is it is a biography. It is not overtly a political statement. But I would mm-hmm. even disagree. With that, I, I don't. Right. I, I think that it's in, first of all, it's kind of impossible to write about someone who is in, in a political life in any way and right. not have politics in it. That would be right. That would be ridiculous. Right. It, it, it's also a little naive of him, I think, to say mm-hmm. that like Thatcherism had nothing to do with this show whatsoever, <laughs> since it was on the rise like during right. the f- first West End production. Um, right. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've listened to Tim Rice's podcast at all. Tim Rice says things would be sort of my my. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I yeah, Tim Rice says it. things. So I thank you yeah. for telling me he has one. Yes, because that's and be you really can useful. be useful for your thesis. Yeah, right from the horse's yeah. mouth. Um, right. Yeah, Tim Rice thinks he's pretty good, and he says other things. That would be <laughs> not what the podcast is called. Um, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. But right. uh, that would be yeah. a great name for the podcast. It's kind of what it is. It's very interesting, but it is like. Yes, you get it. You get, you know, you get the man pretty, pretty closely. 
Yeah, I mean, anyone with the audacity to say, I don't think the unity between me and Andrew Lloyd Webber has any further relevance. I mean, you have to have some guts. (laughs) I I say that because I have a weird hero worship slash I satirize the guy in Broadway beat articles all the time and make fun of him all the time thing going on with Andrew. But, (laughs) you know, to say that to give up that opportunity after you've done several musicals that have been so wildly successful is is a move. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's a it's a choice. We would, you know, it's a yeah. clearly that's that's yeah. a, that's a decision he's made. Uh, it is mm-hmm. only, I mean, it's somewhat in his defense. It is only three shows, but it is like three seminal shows, <laughs> shows yeah, yeah. massive hits, and like you right. know, wildly successful things, and right. so successful that even though they only wrote three shows together, really, they're you know in the canon. They're like so right. yeah. To to discount that seems. Even though he arguably has done the majority of his work without Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? They did pretty well together. So I think that <laughs> you know when you think of Tim Rice, you don't think of Elton John first. You think of no. Andrew Lloyd Webber. First. You, you barely think of the Lion King. You know, right? <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. It's a true point. I don't think when you think of the Lion King, you think of El- Elton John or Tim Rice. I don't know what you think <laughs> exactly. of, but I don't think. They're... Also, I'm getting that right, right? Tim Rice yep. did do the mm-hmm. Lion King. You are absolutely okay. Right. I was about yep. to Google it. Okay. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> I had that in the back of my head. I would feel bad if I said that and then felt the need to quote tweet later. I can't believe I got that wrong. Today. I would have cut it out. <laughs> okay. But no, you got that. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. So good, you, good, good, good. came to musicals late, it sounds like. Yeah, well, I'm currently 22 and um, I got super into it with Cats more recently in <laughs> 2019. I mean, I, we li- I lived in kind of the suburbs of New York when I was younger and my parents brought me to see um, Beauty and the Beast on Broadway three times and uh-huh. I was the only little girl in that theater dressed as Cogsworth rather than Belle. <laughs> Cogsworth? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting choice. Cogsworth. Yeah, imagine like a fursuit but my head sticking out and- and sure. the Cogsworth head is on top of my head. Okay. That's what it looked like. Yeah, I have huh. a photo somewhere. Why, yeah. Cog- why Cogsworth? <laughs> it's the stiff upper lip British thing. I have found uh, that I have found that deeply attractive since age four, apparently. Got you. <laughs> so. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I wanted to be him or marry him. I, I couldn't it's a tell. Vi- but... It's a vibe. You know what I mean? Like, that's totally, that's totally fine. You got a whole. Gotta... <laughs> uh huh. But yeah. So, I, you know, the seed was planted early in the weirdest way possible. And sure. then it just kind of um, marinated and uh, just needed the uh, cats trailer to emerge. To, to break. I see. That's good. That's all it needed. Like a xenomorph little... out of the egg. Say, like an assassin <laughs> being activated with a code word. You saw that trailer and you were on your Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. So what? And also the stiff upper lip British thing fits very nicely with Sir Andrew. So I like that. Yes. Or Lord Andrew, pardon me. So I like that a lot. So why the concept album of Evita? Why not any um, of the other plethora of recordings available? I think it's fascinating to look at the first time it burst onto the stage mm-hmm. uh, because it feel, the lyrics went through numerous changes and uh, they, there were tweaks made in uh, like all the versions. Uh, there was all, usually something changed lyrically. Um, the concept, concept album is particularly interesting because of this prominent insecticide element <laughs> where... <laughs> uh, where um, 
it is suggested only way late into the musical, by the way, which is particularly confusing, that one of the reasons that Che hates Savita so much is that under Juan Perón's regime, uh, his patent for this new insecticide was rejected, as opposed to him being this everyman who's just a smart guy with common sense who's skeptical. It's suggested only like late in once his insecticide is rejected that that's why he's upset. And that's also why he's been bringing up the insecticide decide in detail up to this point so <laughs> it's deeply confusing um i want to say it's like right after it's it's late it's like three quarters in that in the original concept album that it's suggested well, it's so, uh, the thing i noticed yeah. listening to it again today mm-hmm. and this is especially fortuitous after having dealt with the, the patty lapone manny patinkin recording just a couple weeks yeah. ago is right. that the yeah, I mean, you're right. I said it, I've said it before. Like, it, it seems to me that Tim Rice is using, like, thinks that Che Guevara was this, like, uber-capitalist scientist who then, when his patent was rejected, became a communist, like, instantaneously. <laughs> and right. Because it really seems that, like, he has grand delusions for this insecticide and he's going to be, right. like, just the biggest, the biggest thing of all time. And right. well, one thing I noticed that was so funny is that in the show, so I, everyone focuses when they talk about the insecticide on uh, the original version of The Ladies Got Potential. And I right. love the original version of Ladies Got Potential. It's bonkers. <laughs> it's nonsense. It comes out of nowhere. I absolutely yeah. adore it. But Ava's not the only one who's getting the breaks. I'm a research chemist who's got what it takes. And my insecticide's gonna be a bestseller. Successful capitalist world. It's great that riff that riff slaps. I'm down, but the right. funniest part is, I mean, it comes back again in Dangerous Jade, which is in, in an interesting way. But right. the thing that struck me this time was that in the in the show as it stands now, what we have is Rainbow High, Rainbow Tour. And then the fallout from the Rainbow Tour. And then Che, mm-hmm. in in the current version, sings a little little few lines to Ava on behalf of the peasants. Forgive my intrusion, but fine as those sentiments sound. Little has changed for us peasants down here on the ground. I hate to seem churlish, ungrateful, I don't like to moan. But do you now represent anyone's cause but your own? Everything done will be justified by my foundation. And the money kept rolling in from and then that launches us into the foundation which gets us into and the money kept rolling in it's a very logical progression Mm -hmm. in here (laughs) 
<laughs> you have them come back from the tour. She does her little downside. And then Shay shows up. It's like, I've got this insecticide. And she very rightly is like, I don't, what? I don't do that. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then he gets like shuffled off. And then they're like, oh, and by the way, there was a foundation. And then they sing the money kept rolling in. And I was really just like, that's wild, guys. Forgive my intrusion, but here in this neat little can, I have a product to change a conception of man. A brand new insecticide, a remarkable chemical feat, instantly rendering other insecticides obsolete. Licensing slaughter of insects is hardly my mission. Good night and thank you, whoever. We've no time for you, but one thing we do emphasize. It's a real wind that blows nobody good. The news may be bad for one Argentine lad, but it's good news for Argentine flies. And the money kept rolling in. From every side. Well, you know, and that's interesting because that creates an entirely new reading possibility of the text is like maybe her critics were off all along or misinterpreting <laughs> something, which is like would actually I think that's an even more fascinating reading of the text text. Talk about nuance, but uh, you know, there's better ways to do that if that was the intention. Yeah, <laughs> so which recording of the show did you hear first? I heard, um, good question. Oh boy. I think I heard the Madonna version first. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, you're home when, now, And it's interesting so it's okay. that they chose to, it almost feels like they couldn't even say that back, I put heavy air quotes, the ladies got potential because they didn't, they rewrote the entire song. Yeah. Well, and they rewrote it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I like that song better than the art of the possible. I hate the art of the possible. Oh, I know. And <laughs> It is a, I think the rewrite of Ladies Got Potential is great. And I always hope when I go see the show that people are going to do it and they never do. And it drives me nuts. But it's such important political and historical exposition. It like really such, does. It so tells much the more story. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. tells, like, ima- imagine that. It tells the story for a second. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, like, I, I, I really do appreciate that a lot more. Yeah. The, the, the Madonna ver- the recording is, is, oft maligned and i think with cause i i don't you know yeah not a huge she sounds too much like I, I, I mean anyone if you like pop music then i can understand why you might like it but just it's hard not to listen to that and go that's madonna as opposed to this is a, a madonna acting well, <laughs> so. well, i'll tell you one thing again listen like this is my recording of this show i love mm. this version of it it's the first one i ever had and and so that has a lot to do with it. But I also mm-hmm. really like the arrangements in this. I like the sort of, mm-hmm. there's a lot more drums, there's a lot more pop elements to it than eventually winds up in the stage versions. Right. But again, I noticed, it was really funny to listen to this so soon after having dug into the, the other recording because I, right. I noticed these little tiny differences. And one thing I really noticed, speaking of, of singing Evita, is just right. how high Julie Covington yeah, is singing a lot. Like she's living up on this range, and I kept thinking right. the whole time, like, I mean, that sounds awesome on a recording, but you couldn't right. do that eight times a week. Screw the middle classes, I will never accept. 
the people of Buenos Aires I welcome the chance to shine in their city and to trample their rotten values into the ground I think I read that uh, you definitely know this like uh, uh, the intention was not to have her belt the whole thing mm-hmm. and then she did and then Andrew Weber said great they all should do that yeah <laughs> and every Avita sense has everyone been like, for 50 years yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Because she right, sounds exactly. awesome. Yeah. I mean, she absolutely she sounds does. amazing. And and but it's a right. it's a, and it's a really different kind of vibe to to Patty Lapone and he, and yes. Elaine Page. It it is a very forceful uh, production. I don't know that I love her interpretation on stage, but on the recording, it it just sounds sounds right. amazing. It's interesting too that she brought in the her British accent. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting to think about that in comparison with Elena Rogers' Argentine accent. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's what do you? Th- I it's a tough conversation, but like, what do you think of the accent situation? Well, we've talked about it a couple times on the. Uh, it, what fun, the thing I always that ticks my ear is that it always seems that whoever's doing Juan Perón has feels they have to do an accent, except on this right. recording. <laughs> right. Paul Jones is just like, no, I'm British, and I was in Manford Man, and it's fine. Like, I'm just going to say right. it this way. And actually, Paul Jones is. Perone is the most youthful of all of them. He feels a lot more like her contemporary. And right. the others correctly make Perone older because he was older than, right. than Ava and make it a much more of a second wife, you know, youthful energy that she brings to his sort of stolid, stoic kind of presentation. Um, right. So, but I'm always fascinated why Joss Ackland, Michael Cerverus, and Bob Gunton are all just like, no, I, I'm doing an Argentine accent for this production. <laughs> no one else is going to. But so, except right. for Elena Rogers, where it comes naturally, like that is actually her voice. But right. like, for some reason, they feel the need to like be this, you know, they do this voice, and you're just like, right. I don't think that, Bob, I don't think, I don't, I, don't, I mean, whatever, right. like you do you. Well, it, it's tough because it makes sense that a actual Argentinian person should be this character yeah. when uh, historically she has not been she's been portrayed by white women instead right. um, but diegetically if i am to you know be a jerk it's weird that she has an accent and no one else does <laughs> so, yeah. and it's like can you force them all to fake it and have the whole musical suffer as a result at the end of the day the biggest problem there is the diegetic thing pushes glasses up nose right. but you okay. know I, I <laughs> what else can you do <laughs> yeah so i'm never bothered by that i mean i think that falls under the plausible deniability suspension yeah. of disbelief for the stage right. it doesn't i don't really care if we have a panoply of accents on on stage it doesn't really bother me that much yeah um, it would be an issue i think in the movie more so because because you're getting the visual side of the story so it feels like more needs to be in place yeah. whereas kind of like if you're reading a book you know you can imagine uh <laughs> different interpretations of the characters visually but yeah i, I mean and you. you know if you want yeah. to be super technical they're all speaking spanish the whole time so like... <laughs> oh and going back to julie covington like it's interesting to me that they offered her the west end starring role yeah. and she said no because uh I, don't, I forget if i'm quoting wikipedia or if i'm quoting her here but I she didn't like ava perone personally yes i really <laughs> so... like that i like the I really like her honesty in that being like, I have to like the characters I'm playing and I don't like her. I really like that. And you're being like, I, I have nothing to say to that. Like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Talk about like, integrity. Like, guess, great. Yeah. If that's your personal principle and yeah, live by it. Sure. I, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's, it shows great self-knowledge where she's like, they, she had this right. massive hit with this single in England because it was a huge hit. And right. 
she's just like, nope, I'm good. I'm good over here. <laughs> and it's like, all right, I mean, cool. To her credit, without that decision, we wouldn't have had Elaine we Page's have launch. Elaine Page. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think that Elaine Page owes Julie. I'm sure she sent her flowers many times. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And do? didn't they go through thousands? They said either hundreds or thousands of of uh, auditioners for Ava Perona. Well, I think that it. I mean, I think they went through a few. I, I always those numbers are always we saw everybody, guys. You saw like twenty. You know, like it feels <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, right. it just feels like everybody. You know, that would be right, my, right, my exactly. Uh, right. It, yes, it because what what can one do? But um, right, that is funny that the the fun Andrew Lloyd Webber fact in there that. Elaine Page got Evita because Julie Covington said no. And then she got Grizzabella right. because Judy Dench hurt herself. So <laughs> she was never right. Andy's first choice, but she damn it, she made she made the move <laughs> exactly. both times. She did. She yeah. Did she launched fine. her career by being the, you know, second fiddle she was to there. other people. Like she was yeah, exactly. You know, it's like the nanny. She was good. She was fine. She was there. So she became Right. So she became <laughs> right, right. Evita. But uh so yep. <laughs> So what is your thesis about, Alex? What are you What are you writing? Good here? question. I mean, uh, or what do you? Okay, so disclosure. what do you think? What do you think you might be writing about? Let me say. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I've done a lot of summer reading, which is background knowledge, and a, a lot and a portion of that summer reading, I'll admit, has just been listening to all the versions over and over again, sure. just because, frankly, it is. I've, I've found as a as I obnoxiously showed off seconds ago, like it is deeply helpful, honestly, to mm-hmm. have it memorized. Yes. <laughs> it is really helpful because oh, when yes. you're looking when you're doing Doing uh, close readings or, or analyses, it's nice to be able to not have to do control F in the text and just know it. That's really helpful. <laughs> um, but right now, the thesis is hype is tentatively. It'll be fun to listen to this in three or four months right. about. Um, how to make art, especially political art, especially borderline satirical art that involves history uh, and comments on it in a way that's ethical. So um, it technically mm. is about Evita and Jesus Christ Superstar, but I'm way more interested in Evita than Jesus Christ Superstar. So that might go. Well, the historical <laughs> um, documents but... are probably a little clearer about Evita than they are about Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, I, I did my undergraduate honors. I'm in this weird program uh, at Georgetown where you could start your two-year English master's as a senior. So I, st- I started and finished the first year uh, last year while I was finishing my undergraduate English honors thesis. And so that thesis was about uh, how late night comedy shows can do jokes ethically uh, and what like ethical journalism, quote unquote, looks like in the late night comedy world. Mm. That was kind of what it was about there. Um, so I'm basically basically hoping to do something similar with uh, musicals about his history. Um, specifically, I think Avita is a fantastic example because it gets so much so wrong (laughs) so and it's tough because it's i adore it as a work of art Mm -hmm. it's just unfortunate that it's based on a story that is fundamentally different on so many levels um it's an incredible narrative such an uh you know a rise and fall story in that interesting kind of hero's journey inverted a little bit um and part of its power i think is that it's based on a true story so like what do you do? <laughs> I would. I'm. I'm glad we have it. I, I think I would. I'm, I would prefer the current state of things to it not existing. Um, but it's unfortunate that it has to be the slander musical. <laughs> well, and I think there's an interesting one thing I'm struck by every time I listen to Avita is that it does not have the who lives, who dies, who tells your story finale. Like, no, it doesn't. The, That's right. Hamilton closes ultimately with a larger point. It kind of goes mm-hmm. like 
there's a bigger theme at work here. And to be right. honest, I feel like while I love it, it does kind of shoehorn that finale in a little bit. Yeah. Being like, oh, now yeah. we're going to talk about this. But like, <laughs> it, but it's Veggie cool. Tales. Like, it's time to talk about what we right, learned Right, now we learned today. Exactly <laughs> right. And then they play that theme so song. We there we go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember the scene. <laughs> that had been too long. But, um, and then you should start singing it again while I'm trying to speak, right? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But it, 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 um, but so like, but this doesn't, so like, you know, ha- but Hamilton does the thing that a lot of shows do where it goes into the finale, we close the historical fact, and then we kind of zoom way out right. and we do like big picture stuff here. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't do that. This sticks with Ava. And it actually, what's so mm-hmm. interesting to me is we start with the Requiem, which is this mm-hmm. massive number with the whole orchestra and the whole cast on stage. And it goes and it goes and it goes. And then it's almost like for the rest of the show, with some exceptions, like Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, we start to, right. we focus down. We shrink it mm. down. She's she's mm. surrounded by fewer and fewer and fewer people. And she sort of casts them off as we get down. So we get down to, you know, right down to the end. And then she's got... Che, and then she throws him away after Walt's favorite and Che, and then it's wow. her and Perone. That's a great point. Yeah, and then she throws him away, and at the end, it's just her, sort mm-hmm. of justifying everything we've just seen. Wow, and we're done, and it is a right. real like. I think one of the strengths of it is that it doesn't be like, and that's the point of Evita, you know, like mm-mm. it's like no, nope, right. this is what happened. I mean, I'd say, thank goodness that's the case. (laughs) It's almost like Tim Rice trusts us to have brains and think about it for ourselves. Right. (laughs) And it doesn't need it. I mean, that's the thing of it. Like, the the intelligence to me is like, it it does not need that. Because Superstar has a zoom out ending. The song Superstar, which is ostensibly the finale, even though we do go on, is the sort of like closure of it. It's like, what what are we doing here? Like, what what was it all for? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Right. You know, right. I've come back in my fancy white suit to sing a song while you're walking to get crucified. Like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's dig into this here. And right. so obviously that was one way to go in this, in this whole saga. But I, I, I really like, I mean, I think that some of the lyrical parallels that Tim Rice draws <laughs> in Lament, even though I love the song, about right. her, like, especially on this recording where you have the whole missing verse about her deciding apparently not to have children instead to like, yeah, which is, right. feels, I don't know how it feels, but it's a choice, I guess, for her, like, <laughs> her whole thing. It's, oh, the Elaine Page line, oh, my daughter, oh, my son, that, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, but before yeah. that, so that that that, that re- retains is the, oh, my daughters, oh, my sons, but there's the right. extra verse in this version where she sings about... Actually, it sort of seems like she's saying, um, uh, I, I could have had kids, but I decided not to. Instead, the kids, my, my children are, um, uh, are, are you, are, is, is Argentina. And right. it's not how, like, you know. Jeez, no one asked. Never <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Nobody brought that up, but, but, but cool. Mine and no one else's. I could have the millions at my feet, give my life to people I might never meet, or else to children. 
loved me, the more loved I'd be. But such things cannot be multiplied. Oh, my daughter, oh, my son, understand what I have done. Well, interestingly, too, I think there's more to draw from and kind of explicate from to other political and historical situations from that line about children Mm. than there is in much of what remained in lament because it's the rest of what remained i feel i'm looking at the lyrics right now are really sp- i have it memorized but it's helpful to have it, it <laughs> in front of my eyes i promise i have it memorized um but yeah um there's a lot here that is highly specific to her and of course it's there's parallels to other figures and situations but um the choice was mine and mine completely i mean of course there's an element of uh, the problems with hubris and the dangers that overconfidence mm-hmm. can have. And mm-hmm. um, of course there is, but the idea that what choice, like the choice to uh, choose this career path. I mean, sure. So it, it's, it's still specific to her and not as I think uh, applicable to as many things, but it just, I think that the idea of like progeny and uh, cultural progeny and representing a certain group in the broader political conversation and through that children metaphor could say so much that the version we got that continues to live on and other versions doesn't include. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it is a real, like it, it and, and also ending the show as this recording does with the embalmers, the eyes, hair, face image. Right. Repetition does right. emphasize that like right up until the end, Ava is mm-hmm. selling you know, mm-hmm. she's selling us her. Like there's this right. like, version of herself. And right. so in her finale, she continues to do that. She's like, all of this was my choice. I chose, I had a choice between living for a long time or living my life to the fullest and dying young. And I chose right. to die young. And it isn't true. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's, just fl- right. that's just flat not true. <laughs> oh, and also what baffles me, um, it baffles me, but I'm kind of glad that it wasn't run with, is that the show makes such a big deal about this theory that she did indeed sleep her way to the top. Mm-hmm. And then it is factual that she died of uh, cervical cancer, which is almost is often caused by HPV related complications. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to me that it, the musical makes such a big deal out of her having achieved all this through that particular means and then doesn't make the connection that it was that that killed her. What's so f- interesting in that kind of is you're right. They don't talk about what killed her. They just say that she's sick and she's weak. And then she dies. And I think we can assume when you die that young, like it, it's it's probably, right. you know what I mean? Especially that time. Right. It, it, it's cancer. It's, it, you know, w- right. Whatever, whatever kind you it, it was. But mm-hmm. I think it's really an excellent. It's one of the few moments of kind of like, I don't want to say feminism. Let's say non misogyny in the show <laughs> where like. Right. where her sex life didn't kill her you know what i mean like there's a right. very judgy like 70s male british thing to be like well right. if you hadn't had all that you might have been fine you know <laughs> that's what you well, get and it's also interesting because of course angela weber and tim rice were conservatives um and Still uh, are. yeah and if, if you're working in the musical theater scene you know you're probably a little less conservative than other conservatives but yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's, there's a difference up. between I, I, I mean, maybe my British listeners won't agree with me, but there is a difference, be- I think, between like 
British Tories of the seventies, of the early young Tories of the of the late seventies, and like right. today. And I yeah. think that there were, while they were very conservative, I, I think from a, from being the way they were brought up, and is a, mm-hmm. a, you know a sort of conservatism. It was right. still they were still children of the sixties. They were still fairly you know liberal on on a lot of accounts, but they right. do that. Again, like that that misogyny, clearly the show is railing against it. I mean, it has a lot of stuff where overtly, like people say, we will not accept her simply because she's a woman. Like that's full right. stop. That's that's reason number one. And right. so the show is able to see that and to see and to comment that that is wrong, like that the, right. there is a mistake being made here. But it almost deals more with class than with Mm -hmm. the sexism of it it's really like the 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 parallels it draws between like ava being anti-aristocracy anti-middle class she's here for Mm -hmm. the workers like that's her whole jam right and because she was as she overtly sings like she was kept out of her father's funeral she is like is is a you know force is is more you know it's kind of more anti-middle class than pro-working class certainly right well actually it's could i briefly contest the idea that the the misogyny yeah well i mean because it in the in perone's latest flame of course for those who haven't listened to it the uh argentine generals um Mm -hmm. speak out against her they're they're, it's kind of implied that in the musical in the the movie version they actually go into like the general's locker room and show them showering and gossiping about her and um those are kind of her earliest doubters, I think. Mm-hmm. Like that, I, I, the, the uh, generals and uh, members of the military there are like the earliest people to have questions. <laughs> like in addition to Che, who uh, you know, he kind of is there the whole time, and mm-hmm. you know, he's there from day one, song one, second one. Right. Um, culturally speaking, in Argentina, they're the first to question what's going on, mm-hmm. and so um, I kind of interpreted honestly. I I kind of interpret that as yes, their misogyny is bad, but were they wrong on their broader point? <laughs> so well, sure. I, th- I thought it was it was maybe saying the misogyny was off, but it was com- making the misogyny within their argument was a supporting reason for why she was unqualified was that she was using her womanly wiles to advance herself. Um, and then they don't question that later on. So I kind of, I was on team Tim Rice as a misogynist myself <laughs> or, or rather oh, yeah. it's kind of unclear how he feels about. The oh misogyny. yeah. No, I, I we're like, well here it was warranted. Like, like, that's like, interesting. That's yeah, see, that's interesting because I think, I mean, yeah. yes, I, I don't want to say, again, I don't think, I, I don't want to disparage Tim Rice too much, but like, <laughs> I think he's very much of his time. And in his, yeah. men of his time and his upbringing were, had, had, were misogynists. They just right. were. And right. some of them converted to feminism later. It's sort of right. like the thing. He, I don't believe he was one of them. But, right. um, so yeah, but I what I'm interested in is someone who is is as misogynistic as I think he was. Right. Still kind of like he does a very good job of keeping Ava as the one we're rooting for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she's right. not while the show paints her in a very bizarre light, times positive, times negative, but definitely weird sort of setup she's not overtly a villain in any sort of aspect like well she's not hurting anyone except 
she's she's not changing she's not worsening the status quo the worst right. thing that happens is that the workers never receive the aid and that's made clear with or, or Chase, yeah or kind uh, of or kind of do they like it's that <laughs> sort of the thing of like because the money kept rolling in and out really just says that like she took they took in all this money and they gave it out to a lot of people but some of it didn't some of it went to uh, went got got skimmed off the top right and the money kept rolling out in all the directions to the poor to the weak to the destitute of all complexions now cynics claim a little of the cash has gone astray oh, but that's not the point my friends when the money keeps rolling out you don't keep books you can tell you've done well by the happy grateful looks Accountants only slow things down, figures get in the way. Never been a lady loved as much as ever. It's so interesting to think of like how amorphous structurally this was at this stage right when like they, when they were doing superstar obviously they had the bible <laughs> to give them the structure and at the end like it has a big finale just like lin-manuel miranda says about hamilton like well he knew the ending right. was going to be good like right. it's very clear yeah this is a little more amorphous because she just dies right. and so like you know, she doesn't jump on a grenade. She doesn't get crucified. <laughs> she she just dies. And so right. you have to kind of build it to in a different sort of direction. And you find them like, what's really interesting about this recording, especially to me, is, is Che, because they don't right. really know what to do with him. They feel like they're giving him all this motivation to be angry at her and to be right. like, not, you know, to having this whole subplot. And it's a big part of the story. And I really like to imagine that one of the first things Hal Prince did when he like started working with them was like, guys, right. we don't care. He can just be <laughs> Che. He can just be mad. Well, and it's actually, fine. can I contest that oh, as well? Please do. Please do. <laughs> I think it, the musical starts with, oh, what a circus, where mm-hmm. he's saying this lady was a joke. And right. what, what did we ever get out of it? And then by the by lament, he's actively mourning her. Uh, so he's had an arc. It's not loud and bombastic. Oh, but sure. He's changed. Yeah. yeah but so. it's an arc. It's an arc based on sort of the passage of time in Ava's life. He doesn't have his own arc. He doesn't have his own subplot. Right. He is... Right. Well, and at the same time, though, he's the narrator. So from the beginning to end of the story, he does have an arc. Mm-hmm. It's kind of... I think it's kind of implied, especially given he's in her dream, that he is kind of the spirit of the doubters. He is Tim Rice. Yes. <laughs> he is there for, uh, for the skeptic who's reading The Woman with the Whip, you know. Uh, and so he is the reader. You know, he is the audience. Um, so he is our arc as well, where mm-hmm. he, at the beginning, you uh, first hearing about the story, you may have thought that she was a joke. She was a fraud. And then by the end, after you realize how much how deeply held her convictions were, even if they were just for herself or even if it was 60 percent for her and 40 percent for the people. Um, it is sad that she died young. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like yeah. you, at least at least we can agree that it was sad. <laughs> and she but she never. Neither she nor Perone really yeah. come off as yeah. people who are in it totally for themselves. They're definitely in it like right. th- that is a consideration. And they sing over right. and over again. There is no one, no one at all. Never has been and never will be a lover. Male or female who hasn't an eye on. In fact, they rely on tricks they can try on their partner. They're hoping their 
blame them. You're the same. She does care about the people. Right. Whatever that means. And <laughs> there's a little bit of that, especially in this record. Where there's the, this recording features the long operatic section, like recitative section, where her and Perone are kind of fighting. Yeah, yeah, very, where they have Ava's sonnet. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's also made clear. And like in, uh, I know it's, I hear, I have Patty Lupone singing it in my head right now, but there's a part in either Dice or Rolling, Ava's sonnet. I forget if it's in the Julie Covington version, but where she goes like, The people belong to no one. They are fickle, can be manipulated, controllable, changeable. In the end, the people don't matter however much they love you now. It'd be be interesting to see a close reading of uh, making one argument or the other as to which argument uh, is more prominent in this character's head. And I said character, this fictional. Right. This is a character. (laughs) Who knows what she actually felt. And that's important, though. That's an important distinction. It's something that gets lost in any historical musical retelling period but but right. specifically with shows like Evita and Hamilton that focus very clearly on one and actually two people right. in both cases right. it is the conflation is right. so much more dangerous and so much easier. Right. And so that's the problem I have. That's why I, I didn't earlier, I, I'm still regretting like I'm team Tim Rice of the misogynist but you know coming back to this it really does it really is telling that that is the of course they were basing those uh, ideas off of existing biographies but um if you're going to take creative liberties and then the liberty that you take to answer the question of how she arrived there is that she definitely slept her way to the top that i don't know that's that that raises some questions i have about your assumptions about what women are capable of (laughs) so well, but that said, in that time period, that was a way women did it and women were limited and yes. women didn't have the right to vote at this time. So right. maybe it's but it, he sure makes it not about or Tim Rice sure makes that action she t- took not about the problems with Argentine misogyny at the time. He right. makes it about her choosing to do this. Um, and, you know, in the 1996 movie, there's a lot of women who I think are shown waiting for something. They're, they look like they're waiting. Uh, they're, mm-hmm. they're every women who then wa- watch her walking down the hall during Good Night and Thank You. And kind of the idea, I think, is that she's surpassing them. So I don't think it's making the argument that all women did this or all women were forced to do this. It's she chose to do this. She was the exception she became the exception because she did this so i have an issue with that <laughs> it is i mean and you're right it's it's then reinforced in mm-hmm. uh, in the lament when she's saying the choice was mine and no one else's she's sort of taking right. ownership of it mm-hmm. but in taking ownership of it it is like you're, you're right it's almost doubling down on the sort of like overt condemnation of it a little bit where it's right. just like look at all these terrible things she did and she has no apologies for it Right. You know what I mean? Like you could look at it in that context. And and I think the show is ambiguous enough that you can read it in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different choices. Which is awfully convenient. Oh, is it? (laughs) Well, because they just skipped the stuff they didn't have. saying. (laughs) But it is true. Like the show just decides that like, well, we have this and we have that and we have this and we have that. And we don't have anything in between. And so what? Like the songs are catchy. We'll just move it. Because it doesn't have a traditional sort of character arc structure to it. There's like I say, there's no greater theme. There's no Mm -hmm. larger point. She is simply, it is simply a series of scenes 
from her life, some of which mm-hmm. connect very neatly and some mm-hmm. of which don't, some of which like just are, this is just a song for a little while right. and we're going to come out of it. There's no like big, massive examination of the character of Ava Perone. It is simply right. like a, a, a record of events, which is right. actually why I have to ask you at this yeah. point, have you seen <laughs> the Diana, the musical pro shot on Netflix? I haven't, but I have watched multiple CNN documentaries about her in the last week and a half. So, <laughs> Alex, I think that's the show you want to pair Evita with. I really, really okay. do. <laughs> I, I don't because maybe, maybe you, I could come back in six months and I can give you a thesis. Absolutely, update. you can. You, I will tell you. So, yes, you have to go to Netflix yeah. and watch it. Don't listen okay. to the songs first. Just go Excellent. watch it. Excellent. Try to do it in one sitting, but if you can only do it in ten minute bursts, I totally understand. <laughs> it's funny. I I'm, I uh, have been doing tutoring with students in like reading comprehension, writing, drawing, and uh, one of my students really likes stories about cities, and so I thought he likes cities and uh, kind of gang stories, and so I assigned him to read The Outsiders and watch West Side Story, and I met with him today after that, and he just said about seven times that he was just horrified by how long it was <laughs> so, and he said i hate romance and i hate long movies and you did this ah that is a one-two yeah, punch so, then yes so um yeah no um so <laughs> how long is diana i ask <laughs> oh i don't i mean it's not yeah. long it's too long and it's not long enough uh yeah. it, you will be well that's and it's funny because if you want to talk about irresponsible with history, like you're really, right. you're going to love, you're going to love what you say. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible. But because there, it's such an interesting question, especially with, and I like that pairing of like satirical comedy and, and musical theater, because yeah. both have such an expectation in the audience of a lack of realism. We don't anticipate, yes. you know what I mean? Like political satire right. being under the, under that heading right. um, has an overt, this isn't the truth. These are jokes. This is what you're going right. to be hearing. And Cats and, is fascinating for that. I didn't mean to cut you off, but Cats no, is especially fascinating for that because it's so fun to criticize, but it's hard to criticize it because it's so really ribald in its goofiness. And, <laughs> and it's, we, this doesn't, this barely even has a plot. And these are humans dressed cats man <laughs> so, well that's why so, the stage show what so, are you gonna do and say so it's it's fun to try to it's extra difficult to try to find angles of ways to criticize it i mentioned this on that other podcast mm-hmm. uh the wrong cat died and we spent like an hour and a half talking about that specifically and it's kind of like related if you'll excuse me sure, uh sure. it's kind of related to why trump was such an interesting source of fodder or not for satirists because when something is already such uh, an extreme when right. something's already an exaggeration of the fact uh, and reality itself, it is becomes even more difficult to then exaggerate that further. Like uh, criticizing is one thing, but satire almost all it, there's all so many definitions of it. I talked, about, I have like a page and a half in my undergrad thesis where I have to like so satire has like seven different definitions. Like here's the ones we're going to use. Sure. Like uh, there is a definition, a school of thought that satire means the exaggeration of something in order to prove a point, which I think maybe you could argue Avita does, but. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's hard to uh, to to criticize something that is already so exaggerated, much like Trump and much like cats. Gosh, man, no one's ever drawn that comparison before, but I love it. <laughs> I have to ask, though, Alex, here as we are in the late stages, is the imp- all important question: What is your favorite song in the Vita? 
Ooh, I I like a new Argentina. <laughs> oh, okay. Straightforward. I, I, I just wrote a like four page thesis section about it, but I, it's such an interesting Ooh, can end. Can you summarize of that for me? Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. It's such an interesting end of Act One in that it's like, here's how far we've gotten. Mm-hmm. Now that she's in a place of power, let's look at her motivations, where she's at, and then let's look at how she persuades the people. And also, let's put in several great um, melodies that allude to various parts that we've already seen. Where there's a mix of the, um, I'd be surprisingly good for you in there when she's seducing Juan Perón mm-hmm. into thinking a certain way. And then there's, I believe, a new melody in, in uh, Che's, a new Argentina in there. It's such an interesting how far we've come, and of course, it's the big, bold, bombastic end of Act One that I is particularly fun to listen to. And it's it's the big sweet number where it feels like you've got a lot of Evita bangers in one number. <laughs> so it's true. I'd say that one's my favorite. Oh personally. wow, that's pretty yeah. Amazing. That and and the money kept rolling in is a really fun one to listen to while you walk around campus. That sure. and then Rainbow sure. Highs. Oh yeah, Rainbow Highs the second. It's tied for that one. You know. See now it's, that's it's funny. The girl boss song. As Rain- much as yes, Rainbow High comes up most <laughs> as when people talk about Evita with me. A Rainbow High is the one that everybody kind of gloms onto. That's yep. really really interesting. Yep. I like yeah. it. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> so, yeah, actually, no, Rainbow High is actually my favorite. I don't know why I said a New Argentina first. I think I just could start with the paper. Oh, so is it Rainbow it. High? Are you going? Yeah. Uh, hang on. Nasty, now you're changing your answer. What's your final answer? <laughs> no, it's now that I'm thinking about it. It's like, what's the one that's in my YouTube recommended in six different versions? It's that one. Obviously, Rainbow High? One. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're going with Rainbow High. <laughs> yeah it's this is good i can tell you're too deep in the paint on this musical i can tell that it's like you can't yeah. you can't see the forest for the trees it's all it's all happening they're all good ones to listen to in the car as you drive to get yourself cats and musical costume materials from michael's they're all good <laughs> Pro tip. they're all really good to shriek at the top of your lungs in your toyota highlander that you're borrowing from your parents they're all really good, good. <laughs> so, so anyway. these are very specific recommendations we understand, uh-huh. but yes. yes that works Speaking yeah. of specific recommendations, Alex, where can people find you on the internet? Thank you for asking. Um, I would love it if you could follow me on Twitter at at scripta underscore Bene. Uh, I got to credit the Lincoln Project for enable, enabling me to build up 20,000 Twitter followers, which I am not fully utilizing. So if you wouldn't mind adding <laughs> to the number of resources that I'm not fully utilizing, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, that and then Instagram is where I post a lot more uh, artwork that I don't want the Lincoln Project people and the people i'm trying to hire me trying to get to hire me to see uh i put that on instagram instead <laughs> so uh, if you follow me there you can follow me at, at alexander bowman art instead you know th- you know um uh pictures of anthropomorphic cats and pictures of my boyfriend go on instagram and twitter is like the pot political takes and the um you know <laughs> political cartoons sure <laughs> so <laughs> that sounds yeah. good 
And and uh, alexandrabowmanart.com is the is your website for all your illustration needs. Yes, yeah. And also yeah, you can find all my Broadway beat articles there too under yes. the published articles oh, tab. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, There's yes, two yes. drafts that are done and I'm just waiting for them to post them. But um oh. I, I keep peach, pitching a Vita headlines in our Slack server and none of them get selected. And I <laughs> I don't know if it's me or people aren't interested, but I promise you I'm trying. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was I'm a big fan of uh local woman not theater kid, just extrovert with limited taste in me. Music. I'm a thank you it's very it's very real it's very very real thank you. and I, was I, I say that because i had to choose one elective in high school and i chose orchestra and not theater so i kind of had to watch them all from a distance so mm-hmm. i don't know if i can call myself a theater kid or not um i don't know <laughs> so. i think you're i don't think anyone's going to give you a quiz or anything i think, I think you're fine i do have to have an id like no a, like i think you're get good in, think, i'll pass you, i'll pass you in if, if anybody asks I'll, I'll just pass you in Oh, that's so great. Alex, thank you so much. Thank you. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. I came from the people. They need to adore me. So Christian Dior me. From my head to my toes. I need to be dazzling. I want to be The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. Go to bit.ly slash originalcaststore for t-shirts, tote bags, magnets, and more. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. Thank you for all the work you do. You do a wonderful job. Thank you. My thanks to Alexandra Bowman for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Just a little touch of Argentina's brand of